Rahman Rahim, Nahmaduhu wa Nasali ala Rasulihil Kareem Amabad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we are continuing with our exploration of Surat Al Fatiha, almost finishing it. And just to recap uh, a tiny amount, uh, yesterday when we were discussing the straight path, <clears throat> one key point to take from the idea of the straight path is how you imagine Islam will affect, will inform how you practice Islam. How you imagine Islam will inform how your child imagines and practices Islam, which will then inform how you Im your grandchild imagines or practices Islam. And then related to that, uh, it is necessary for everyone to relearn their Islam every seven to ten years. I mean, it's also necessary for every husband and wife to relearn their love for each other every seven to ten years. Uh, usually this latter thing does not happen because children enter the picture and then you become focused on the children and then you don't pay attention to matters of love, lack of love between husband and wife until the children are out of the house and then you hate each other and then, you know, bad things happen. But in terms of the deen, the easiest way to think about it is the way Islam worked for you, those of you who are raised Muslim, the way it worked for you when you were 10 is not going to work for you the way you are at age 20. And then, likewise, the way Islam worked for you at age 30 is not going to work for you the way it does for you or way it would for you at age 40 because you have grown a full decade. Your understanding of the way life operates is significantly different. And this is one of the things I like about being in my 50s. Mashallah, say mashallah. Yeah, yeah. Anybody say mashallah? Okay, in any case... Uh, and I said mashallah <laughs> you're muted yeah. yeah mashallah that you all said mashallah and those of you who said it will just did not move your lips will just assume you said it in your heart but the point here is uh, at this point yes mashallah he, uh, I love being in my 50s more than my 40s more than my 30s more than my 20s the 40s were the most tumultuous of my whole life which were more tumultuous than my very tumultuous 30s which were more tumultuous than my very tumultuous 20s. Uh, uh, but part of it is you just understand so much more of how life operates. And there's so many things that you cared about in your 20s that you realize in your 30s you don't have to care about. And then other things in the 40s you realize you don't have to care about. And in the 50s, you're like, ah, I'm going to die soon, so let me just spend time with people who you know I like. But the point is, your dean has to get re structured, rediscovered, re-evaluated, rebuilt. And if it does not, you'll start shedding it from yourself, and especially your child will. Alrighty. Having said that, oh, by the way, does anybody have any questions about anything at all? Danya, Asam, often you have questions at the beginning. No? Wow. Is it because we're at that point in Ramadan? Oh, yeah, by the way, because we're at this point in Ramadan, uh, also, when you reach around the 10-day point in Ramadan, what fast number is this? Is it seven, six? Six, probably. I can't count that high. So so the point here is, oh, thank you for giving me numbers. Um, when you are now entering this phase of fasting, those of you who began from day one, some of you might not have begun because of physiology or traveling or whatever the case may be. When you fasted about a week and a half, now you've gotten reduced to your real personality. So all the fluff of your personality that you know that you show to other people, you're too tired to show. What personality? Yeah, fair enough. And and so whatever is left is what you are showing. So those of you who get hangry uh, will especially get hangry at this point. Those of you who get angry in general or sad uh, it's going to really come out so even <laughs> today I even had a student today who wanted to drop out of med school you know because he just didn't know if he's going to get to the residency that he was seeking and 
then he wanted to give up looking for a wife because he just didn't think he was going to find anyone and i kind of had to point out where we are in ramadan and fasting and everything and you know let's let's uh, work through the sadness and not give up on all life you haven't even hit 30 yet you can you can give up on life when you're 50 but anyway so the point here is is that this is that phase in Ramadan where you start looking at yourself to see what you need to work on. So this is also the funnest time for those of you who go to the masjid for Tadawi prayers, Tadawi prayers, because this is when the, all the uncles are like the angriest, crankiest, most iftar-smelling people of, of the entire month. And that's when like the best fights happen in the masjid. It's just like, you know, it's almost like you want to bring popcorn, you know, from iftar. Okay. Uh, some people have posted some questions. What personality? What about those of us who remain the same? Uh, if you dig uh, deep, you will find things about yourself that are coming to the fore. And then what if I'm just tired all the time? Uh, so if you were tired from the beginning, then, you know, welcome to age 50, even though, Amala, you're like barely 20. Uh, but think about elements of your personality. Another way to frame it is think about how you are when you're just tired. You know, are you more irritable? Are you more quiet? And so this is something in the same universe as that. And so um, do these jokes that I'm telling you right now irritate you or do they make you laugh even harder? So one thing I've just been even, I know it's hard to comprehend, but I've been even more silly in these last few days well, good mashallah, Allah, that if you feel like you've been the calmest ever, then that's a, a good sign, inshallah. I mean, but I mean, also, if you had to, you have, I had a student here who came and he says, I need to show you something. And it seems so serious, brought another student and he goes, okay, go ahead. And the other student says, and this student goes, he was trying to imitate what happens at the haram. And he wants to start doing that at the masjid. Just be that guy who repeats those things. And so I suggested to him, he should go to every masjid, but do it without permission. Just to see what happens. Alrighty, I was entertaining myself, and I'm just going to start laughing while you all are like, can you get started with the class, please? So, back to Al-Fatiha for these happy campers. al-mustaqim. <laughs> So one of the primary methods of understanding the Qur'an is essentially using the Qur'an to explain the Qur'an. That would be the most obvious. Secondarily, using the Prophet, turning to the Prophet, peace be upon him, to explain the Qur'an. Third is to turn to Arabs. Not, well, anyway, turn to Arabs historically, for insights into the rhetoric, what we call the balagha of, of the Qur'an. And then we're referring to other sources. So in the case of Sirat al-Mustaqim, and then the line that comes after it, I think it's somewhere around here. I think it's 69, but let's look at the whole section. Surah nisa Surah 4. Oh. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, here it comes. No. Aha. So we would have given them a rich reward of our own, Ajran Avima, Nahum, and we would have guided them to the straight path. Okay. So now the question is what is the straight path? And here's your primary answer. First, it is to obey Allah and the Messenger. So at one level, to be on the straight path is to obey Allah and His Messenger, which is probably straightforward and obvious to all of us. That's most the most obvious answer. Okay. And then who are the people you will find on the straight path? So it says, these are the people whom Allah has given His ni'mah, his favor, which is what we are asking in Al-Fatiha in the very next line. So guide us on the straight path. The path of those whom you have blessed, you have favored. So who are those who are on the straight path? 
four groups of people. Nabiyin, Siddiqin, Shuhada, Salihin. Nabiyin, the, the prophets. The Siddiqin, the truthful, the uh, steadfast and truthfulness is a better translation. Siddiq means you recognize the truth when you see it and you embrace it. That is what it means to be a Siddiq. Okay. Shuhada. So the martyrs, those who bear witness to the truth, and Salihin, the righteous. Again, to get deeper into the meaning of these things. The prophets, okay, you already know. Uh, Siddiq, why is Abu Bakr nicknamed a Siddiq? A couple of narrations. One is that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was saying that everybody, when they were becoming Muslim, asked me questions. Abu Bakr just went right in. He didn't ask any questions. And another is that when the Prophet, peace be upon him, went on the night journey uh, and he came back telling everybody what happened, some people were saying, all right, now he's absolutely lost his mind. Look at what he's claiming, that he went to Jerusalem and heaven and hell last night. So they went to Abu Bakr and they said to him, can you believe what your friend is saying now? And Abu Bakr says, you know, may Allah be pleased with him, if he, peace be upon him, said it, then it's true. So what did he say? And then they explained what the Prophet was saying about the night journey, and Abu Bakr said the Quran is more amazing than this. And, and so Abu Bakr is thus nicknamed, or titled, a better way to put it, a Siddiq, one who recognizes the truth when you see it, and you embrace it. Shuhada, which we translate literally as the people who bear witness, but why do we call them martyrs? And this is also even in the etymology of the word martyrs. If you look that up, it's people who are bearing witness to, to something that they are basically walking the walk with their lives. And so the, the point to think about is that everybody has a price. What is your price? So for example, if I were to ask you, uh, if I gave you a hundred bucks, would you give me your eyes? Would any of you say yes? Uh, a thousand. No. Thank you. A billion. If I gave you a billion dollars, would you give me your eyes? No. Really? Awesome. Would you give me your eyes for a billion dollars? One of them. Tax free. <laughs> no, 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 no. No tax free, but um, I get both. Um, I, I think if the if the money were real, there is a point at which I would consider it. Okay. So let's say it's real. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm saying. That okay. if money were real, I, I, I don't know what that point is, but there mm -hmm. is a point at which I would consider it. Uh, Amala, let's say you have pain free. Yeah, and we'll give you nice nice glasses so people can't see your eyes. Your remainder, you would do it for a billion dollars. Yeah, for a billion dollars, I feel like okay. that would go a long way, and I could support and buy my mom some stuff that she may need. So maybe you could yeah. do it with a thousand dollars, you know. I think a billion is a bit better because then yeah. I could maybe even like find a way to get some other eyes. Oh, more ethically. you can offer someone else a hundred million dollars for their eyes. Got it. Yeah. More, Get more ethnic, ethically. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Then let's change it. A billion dollars for half of your brain. Awesome. What do you think? Pyramid screen. I don't have that much left. <laughs> okay. So, so, so the point here is. Everybody has a price. What is your price? And so, for the reason the martyrs are calling them are called martyrs, is that their price or the truth is their life, right? That they're bear witnessing to the truth is more important to them than their living. What's interesting? Uh, number one is that one of the wishes of martyrs is that they could come back and give their lives again and again. But what you might find to be more interesting that nobody shares is martyrs also wish they could come back and become scholars to see the honor that scholars are given on the other side. So this modern focus that we have in our community of appreciating modern, uh, martyrs Yes, it is sound in terms of our, our narrations, but it's a recent phenomenon in terms of the history of Islam, of this 
status we socially give to martyrs. Okay. And and so, and it's especially, yes, abuse for nationalism purposes. But the point is that we have this sentiment right now in our community that if you get arrested, then automatically that's a badge of truth. Yeah, in some cases, yes. In many cases, no. If you're martyred, um, if you're killed, that's automatically a, bad, a badge of legitimacy. Okay. But if you look at all the people we celebrate throughout our history, prior to the 20th century, how many can you name are martyrs? That we celebrate them because they are martyrs. Can you think of any? Prophet's grandsons. Okay, so they're especially Imam Hussein. Yeah. Uh, not too many other ones. I mean, like, I guess all our great warriors, right? Salahuddin. Salahuddin, was he killed in battle? No. I mean, I don't remember how he was killed, right? Khalid bin Walid was the sword of Allah. I don't even know how many battles he was in. Did he die in battle? No, he died he in battle. He did not. No. Oh, I thought nobody knows how he died. Like, there are no accounts of his death. Uh, uh, I understand the general sentiment being that he was sick. So, and But if you think of all the big... Oh, you're about to say something, Mustafa? Sorry. There's Sumaya. Yeah, okay. Another I think Sumaya bin Taharp was her name. So Sumaya as well as Yasarya. And again, yes, we do have uh, a few people. Now compare that list to all the people our, our, our tradition celebrates. Almost 100%, if not 100%, are celebrated not because of their death. They're celebrated because they're Iman. So even Sumaya and, and Yasar are not celebrated for being martyrs. They're celebrated for their Iman. Right. And then Omar martyred, celebrate for his Iman. Most people don't know that he was killed. Right. Uthman celebrate for his Iman. Most people don't know he was killed. Ali celebrate for his Iman. Not no most people don't know he was killed. Right. And then most of the other people throughout history are essentially scholars that are being celebrated, many of whom were persecuted or martyred. But more often, we don't know that as part of their story, which is what the lay person knows. 20th century, it's different. You have Malcolm, you have Sayyid Qutb, you have Omar Mukhtar, right? People who are celebrated. And part of the reason they're celebrated is because of their martyrdom, right? And this does not mean they don't have legitimacy. I mean, Malcolm X has affected many of us very, very tremendously, for example. Uh, but my suggestion for your consideration is in the same way colonization has affected a whole lot of things in our community, Christianity martyrdom is very central. Like literally uh, here at the chapel on campus, it says the church is built on the blood of martyrs, right? And the ultimate martyr in Christianity is Jesus, alayhi salam, right? And assalamu alaikum, Ilyas. Oh, don't be sad, Ilyas. I know it's me. Okay. It's okay. Well, maybe we can all start crying to make Ilyas feel better. Okay, anyway, back to back to class. And then, hey, Mustafa, I'm sorry, what was your cat's name again? It was something very complex. Like Rafiq. Okay, Rafiq, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it wasn't mishmish. Okay, in any case, so those are the martyrs that they are, that they their price is their life. And then the salihin, what is salih? Simply translated as righteous, that more than that, you are so upright that people feel compelled to be upright by being in your company. This is a salih. So these are the people you will find on the straight path. The prophets, the, the people who recognize the truth and embrace it, the martyrs, the people who walk the walk, and the people of upright character. Now, when you think of what does it mean to be religious, here's three definitions. Obviously a prophet, but then one who recognizes the truth when they see it and embraces it, one who walks the walk at whatever the cost, and then one who is upright in their character. Hazel. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. So even for the martyrs piece, I noticed a lot during the pandemic that um, people would say, you know, those who pass away from a pandemic are considered uh, a martyr and also Inshallah. victims in in the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Inshallah. 
So, inshallah. So, how do we? I'm seeing the word essentially. I'm just saying I'm seeing martyrdom more these days, and like as groups of people who passed away due to things that are not necessarily fighting or like as you would say, like in the cause of Allah. So how, I guess, how is that? How do we define it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm trying so, to say. so there are different statuses or levels of martyrs uh, and how they will be treated on the day of judgment, you know, differently, Allah knows best. Uh, but because the prophet, peace be upon him, said this person is a shaheed, this person is a shaheed, a woman dies in delivery is a shaheed, someone who dies drowning is a shaheed, someone who dies from a stomach ailment is a shaheed. They're all shaheeds. Will they all be the exact same type of shaheed as someone who is killed intentionally because uh, of their uh, their Islam? Allah knows best. No. But they are of different status, or they are different types, I should say. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, inshallah. But I mean, the fact that you bring it up, I do also wonder if that it gives us some indication of something about the psychology of our community, uh, uh, the amount of discourse about martyrdom and such. And I think that also ties hand in hand with the same amount of discourse, looking for saviors, the way people speak about Andrew Tate or the way people speak about Habib and all those people. Mustafa. So I have a very vague recollection from my childhood of reading something about... um, uh, Dying while seeking God uh, is what makes you count as a shaheed. Um, And because of that, there can be a lot of cases that can fall under it in which a person can be considered a shaheed. So I, I always felt like it wasn't really that big of a deal besides, again, like the nationalistic conditioning that they try to stuff in our minds mm-hmm. um but is my vague recollection or my understanding correct or is it i believe your vague recollection is correct but it does not mean it's not a big deal because what is one of the privileges of martyrdom is you can bypass the day of judgment and for that reason alone all of us should wish to be martyrs right just to bypass the accounting uh, Sabrina. Oh, you're muted. I don't know if you're speaking right now. Yeah. Um, you might be speaking. I'm not. Mike okay. exited me out. Sorry. Actually, I just wanted to say I grew up as a Palestinian. I grew up right. a Shahid, meaning as always fighting for Palestine. So not till like I got older that I knew there were different levels of what a shaheed meant. But mm. growing up, it was always a shaheed meant like you're fighting for Palestine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, we, that is, we all wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. That is partially, just like most of us speak about nationalism, that is partially the 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 Palestinian nationalism. Does not make it wrong. You know, Palestinian is a different place in the fact of Aqsa being there. But uh, uh, yeah. Although you said you grew up a Palestinian, you're not like Palestinian anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, inshallah, everyone who has been martyred uh, will have the top level of paradise, inshallah. Most, uh, let's see, a message I received with the benefit of being a martyr was that you could fly around like a green bird. Yes, this is also one of the descriptions of the martyrs in paradise that your soul will be in these birds that are flying around. In other ways, it's read is that martyrs will be able to fly in paradise. That's it. And okay. All right. Any other questions about these four types of people? I have a comment. Yes. Who is speaking? Sadia? Yes. Um, I think that uh, all these levels of uh, martyrdom um, I think they psychologically they also bring some consolation because all these are really tragic deaths yes pretty much so and especially the one in the pandemic that gave a lot of people a lot of consolation when they were losing their family members right and left mm-hmm. and it was 
huge. So I think while there is a lot of discourse about martyrdom in the community, there is a positive psychological impact of that too. Yeah, I think that's a very wise point, mashallah. Uh, uh, my uncle, he just died from COVID right before the semester began, like in January. And so, yeah, I think that was also the concept of martyrdom as applying to him was also very, very therapeutic for many in our family. So, all righty. Any other questions about these four or reflections about the four people? Now, how do you become one of the people on the straight path? One obvious way is obey Allah and the messenger. You know, peace be upon. Most obvious way. Another is to aspire to be one of these three latter people. Obviously, you can't be a prophet, but yourself can be a siddiq, a shaheed, or a salih, or a shaheed, a salih, and so forth and so on. Or, so basically, put yourself in the company of those people. That when we speak even of the followers of the Prophet, peace be upon him, we call them companions. We don't call them students. We don't call them disciples. And think of, by speaking of them as companions, they're essentially spoken of as friends. And so... Like we have that saying that if you want to, and this is across traditions, if you want to get to know someone, then what? Look at their friends. What are their friends like? And and so if you want to be, I mean, you can't really be in the company of a shaheed because, you know, they're dead. Well, not really. But um, the easiest of these is to find the person who has upright character. Hard to evaluate who recognizes truth when they see it. Might be hard to recognize as who walks the walk, even you know, who's a shaheed, even if they have not yet died. And we don't have the privilege of being in the company of the Prophet, peace be upon him, unless he comes to you in dreams. But look for those people who are upright in their character as a way to, by osmosis, become on the straight path, literally. Okay, and then, and so these are the people who have the fuddle of Allah uh, upon them. So, bringing us back to this ayah. <clears throat> when we're asking Allah, guide us on the straight path, we now define it three ways. So, let's get back to this, the notes screen. And you all can see this, right? The whole time, like, yeah, I forgot to ask. So, straight path. And... It's travelers. Surah uh, Al-Nisa, Al-Nisa, 469, somewhere around there. Okay. But then when we define the straight path in the next ayah, we define it three ways. The path of favors. Not the path of anger and then nor the path astray or of those astray. Now, <clears throat> is there or who is there in all of creation who received no favors from Allah? Now, let's take a step back. What is a favor? How would you define that? What is the difference between a favor and a wage? A wage you earn, a favor is given to you with no uh, with no obligation to give it to you. Yeah, it's not that different than a gift, right? A little bit different, but still different than a gift, but or a very fundamentally different than a wage or a salary. Now, who can you name in all of history, in the history of creation, that received no favors from Allah? Nobody. Trick question. Exactly. Nobody. Right? And so when we are asking Allah to guide us on the straight path, the path of those whom he has favored, if we are already favored, then what am I actually asking for? Guide me to see the favors of my life.
So in reality, how many favors does each and every one of us have from Allah? The list is infinity long. Another fun thing uh, when students are in the office is that I'll ask them to list out things to be grateful for. And then, you know, some students will come up with two and then they can't come up with anything else. No, I don't have anything else good in my life. They'll have like perfect health. I don't have anything good in my life. You know, I didn't get into this class and now my life sucks, you know. So the point here to consider is when I am asking Allah to put me on the path of his favors, I'm asking Allah to guide me to see the favors of my life. Now, if I'm seeing my life as full of favors, how do I respond? Gratitude. Gratitude, meaning I say Alhamdulillah, which is what this surah is all about. This surah is a prayer for gratitude. And gratitude is one of the most essential essentials of all of Islam. A point we made at the beginning was connection is one of the essential essentials of all of Islam. Now, a huge big one here is gratitude, because that's how we also describe Rahma, right? We said Rahma is mercy plus intimacy, that mercy is giving ease. Intimacy is when you recognize you've been given ease and you respond with gratitude. The whole surah is a request for gratitude. Assalamu alaikum, Ilyas. Are you feeling better? I hope you're feeling better. Assalamu alaikum. He's like, how does a scary man know my name? No, I must look away from this evil demon. Okay, in any case, so that becomes one of the essences. Most of us saying, I always thought of the path of favors in relation to straight path as in the favor of being guided specifically. Yeah. And so guidance would be essentially to gratitude. So now, yes, Mustafa. And uh, wasn't there a hadith about gratitude specifically that one that doesn't show gratitude to people does not show gratitude to God? 100%. Yeah. You'll find gratitude all throughout the entire Quran. That the children of Israel was given favor after favor so that they become grateful. Their tragic flaw was lack of gratitude. Or in Surah Luqman, Allah gives, Allah gives uh, wisdom to Luqman. And then what did that lead to? to be grateful to Allah. So this is one of the recurring threads throughout the whole tradition to the point that one of the definitions of kufr, which we often translate as, as a rejection of faith, another meaning of kufr is ingratitude. So, so is ingratitude the same as entitlement? I won't say it's exactly the same, but they are 100% related. Yeah. So what is the opposite of gratitude? It is ingratitude, and ingratitude is a form of anger. Thanks. Okay. So this, think of ingratitude as essentially the opposite of the path of favors. Ingratitude being the path of anger, in which, akin to the feeling of entitlement, I feel like Allah has given me nothing, and that is not fair. Oh, mashallah. Assalamu alaikum. Good. Anybody else have any babies you want to you wanna, you wanna bring, bring to class? Yeah. Anybody want to sit on my lap as a baby? Hey, Tabish, hey, you want to come over? Anyway, so... Okay, so so the point here is, you know, this I'm the teacher, is that ingratitude is the root of much wrong anger. There is correct anger, there is upright anger. And so in your heart, one will win over the other. Either your heart will be one of gratitude or your heart will be one of ingratitude, aka anger. And the metaphor to think of is anger is like fire and gratitude is like water. Either the water will put out the fire or the fire will evaporate the water. One will win. Now, anger is also a theme explicitly and implicitly throughout the Quran. So, for example, think of Surah Lahab. 
Surah Masad that we always read in the context of history, but we don't read in the context of the text itself. In the context of history, that surah is about the uncle of the prophet, peace be upon him, who is so horribly bad to the prophet, peace be upon him. But it is also a full discourse on anger. Because why is he called Abu Lahab? He had this reddish, angry face. He had this angry uh, uh, temperament. And we have that same metaphor across cultures, a fiery temper or an Urdu jalan, you know, all these things. And so that surah is literally about a person who cannot contain, cannot control his anger. Perish the one who cannot control his anger and he too will perish. All that he has gained will not help him. He will be roasting in a flaming fire. And a warning to the wife, the wood carrier, she'll have a noose put around her neck, meaning don't, don't ignite the anger. Otherwise, you're gonna, he's going to take you down with. And so this is another theme that you find throughout the entire text is this, this, uh, the problem of anger and then its connection with ingratitude. And then last are those people who are just completely lost. It's not even gratitude or ingratitude. They're just completely lost. Boom. In the commentaries, you do find the path of favors referring to Muslims, the path of anger referring to Jews, the path of astray referring to Christians. The argument that is given there is the path of anger. More accurately, the children of Israel, different than the Jews, is that they were given every luxury, but they still were ingrateful. And then in Christians, in the context of you know whom they turn to as Allah. An easier way to understand that is if you look at the middle ayah, those who worship Allah, but then they turn their back on him, they don't rely upon him for help, path of anger. Those who might be fully devoted to whom they regard as God, but they are wrong in terms of whom they regard, regard as God, they are astray. And so that is the path of those who are astray. Okay, those is what you find in the commentaries and such. For our purposes, however, this is a prayer for guidance towards gratitude. Okay, any questions about any of this? Nothing. Oh, no, baby Asu, or baby, baby Ilyas. It's okay, Ilyas. Yeah, speaking of ingratitude. <laughs> I still have a little Ilyas. It's okay to be happy. I don't have, oh, look at this. Hey, Ilyas. Look, I have Mr. Fibbles. Hey, Sabrine, how about if you're, well, you're a little man like this? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, does anyone else have any any comments, reflections about Al-Fatiha while we're trying to make Elias? No questions, comments, reflections? Sorry, the baby's gone. Oh, okay. Well, maybe this will entertain Sabrine. Yes, go for it, if thoughts. Yes, so what I was going to say is that um, uh, there's something in our Islamic history, and forgive me because I just don't know anything. The Prophet, peace be upon him. Yes, the Prophet, peace be upon him. So, so there's something in our history about how, you know, uh, there was a people that were offered like Manasullah and they got sick of it. And then the children of Israel. Put, yeah. yeah, children of Israel. Yeah. And, you know, like when you think about it, like, there are some examples in there, like that example, and then also the example of like, you know, not fishing on Saturday, you know? Yeah, the people how, of the Sabbath, yeah. Right. So like these types of things are very confusing because I feel like, um, you know, it's in our nature to, um, even if you have like the best thing, to get kind of like sick of it. You know what I mean? Totally. Like mm-hmm. this is like something that we in human nature. So is it, are we, are we, are we at fault because of the nature that he created within us or are we, is it really ingratitude? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So relate to your point. Um, I think it's either this, uh, I, uh, maybe it's 61. Whoops. Whoops. Not that I am. There's no 613. So in Sutul Yeah. So here's, here's what you're talking about. So the children of Israel are speaking to Musa, peace be upon him. Now, keep in mind, they've been given every single luxury possible of dunya. And then they're saying, okay, when Allah is speaking to them, saying, remember, you said, Moses, we can't handle eating just one kind of food. And there's a subtle point right there. First, your point that they're getting bored. Okay. But 
they were giving two foods, but they've reduced it to one. Mana and salwa. Okay. And so I heard some voice somewhere. But this is the nature of ingratitude, that when you have ingratitude, you feel you have less than you have. So if I if you are grateful and I give you a hundred bucks, you will feel like I gave you a thousand. If you are ungrateful and I give you a hundred bucks, you're going to feel like I gave you $10 and I was supposed to give you more, right? And so in their case, uh, their first issue uh, is that they were ungrateful. And yeah, I think any of us could get bored, but then their ingratitude is then illustrated by what they wanted instead. They could have said, yeah, Allah, you are able to provide everything. Can you give us a different variety? But instead of this gourmet meal, they wanted cucumbers and onions and garlic and, and, and beans. And so that's Musa, peace be upon him, saying, you're going to trade down for what you've been given. Okay, If that's what you want, then here, go here. And what they effectively were asking for without realizing is they were asking to move from a life of luxury to a life of agriculture. So to be able to get what they wanted. So uh, the boredom aspect, yeah, I think that's very human. Uh, but then if I'm grateful and I'm bored, then I'd say to Allah, Ya Allah, I got to admit, I'm getting bored with this. Is it possible to give me something else? Right? But they're saying, Ya Allah, okay, you barely gave us anything. Can you give us one of these, some of these things? And you're asking, like, he's giving you fresh oranges and instead you're asking for orange gun drops or, you know, orange Cheetos. See what I'm saying? Make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Sadia. Yeah, the language... Uh actually is quite um, arrogant there. We cannot bear to eat only one kind of food. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that shows itself that that was not just out of boredom, that was basically ingratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> nice. Mustafa. So there is one thing in the translation that I believe is inaccurate. It says yeah. go to Egypt, which is a very yeah, common mistranslation. It should be go it's to It's supposed town. to be the countryside or yeah. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a, a very good correction. Misron rather than Mosr. So. Yeah. And home slice Abdul Halim, where did he go to school? He went to Azhar. So, you know, it was probably one of his Egyptian nationalist teachers. <laughs> he, he taught in Cambridge. But yeah. Asim. Um, the, the other point hidden in here is when they say we can only put up with, or we can't only eat one kind of food, wasn't the kind of food they were given, like the best of the best, wasn't yeah. it? Isn't it supposed to be like, like literal, like nectar of the gods kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, literally. Yeah, so some narrations say, uh, some, you know, tend to be more modernist in the saying that, you know, they had like pheasant and it was easy to catch. Others say it was literally delivered to them already cooked. Mm. But, but I think the the um, the point hidden within that is then that yeah, if you're not, if you don't have gratitude, even the best of the best is not good enough. That's exactly the point. Yes. Dania, will you raise your hand? Uh, no, sorry. My mom was passing and she waved at me. <laughs> Why wave back? Okay, mashallah. I appreciate that you have this waving relationship with your mom. Okay, any other thoughts, questions, reflections about Surah Al-Fatiha? So, if not, the way to then imagine Al-Fatiha is what was our starting point? Our starting point was all focused on connections. And then we went to connections with Allah as a primary thing. And then from their connection with Allah by way of his mercy, his mercy gets completed with our gratitude. And so to complete this metaphorical handshake, handshake with Allah, is to develop increasing gratitude. So Al-Fatiha, as a prayer for guidance, manifests when we obey Allah and the Messenger, peace be upon him, and thus, what is the direction of that? It's to lead us to more gratitude. So consider that, that a central goal of the acts of worship, like all the wonderful fasting that's leading all of you to have these heavy faces right now, despite my happy face, you know, teaching and talking, is to lead you towards gratitude. Obviously, many other purposes as well, but gratitude being one of the central things. Mustafa. 
is the like breadth and depth of the themes within the Fatiha, the reason for actually I let me backtrack. I have again another vague recollection from I can't remember if I heard it this or is like a Ramadan miracle, all these vague <laughs> recollections you're getting. Uh of how um if one is to truly understand the fatah, how one is to truly understand the Quran. Yes. That vague recollection. Okay. I mean, that was so, literally from like six days ago, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, it might have been from one of the classes that I missed, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But is it because of like the breadth and depth of the themes that we've discussed and that it covers? So a way to think about this is that Al-Fatiha is a summary of the whole Quran. Right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is a summary of Al-Fatiha. And then the Ba is a summary of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, of the Basmallah. Yeah. Tabish. Um, I wanted to share a quick point, Professor, on uh, uh, the aspect of when you mentioned the path of favors. Uh, yes, and sir. Had, and you had acknowledged the aspect of to see favors in my yeah. life. Um, I, especially lately in my life, uh, one thing I've noticed is that this aspect of look, looking for openings is quite uh, central in many spheres of whatever is deemed to be successful for the human being. Um, sure. Whether it's a sports analogy like basketball, you're constantly taught to look for angles or it's the aspect of just, you know, growing as a person or growing in your relationship with people. So this aspect of to see uh, favors has been really uh, kind of um, something on my mind lately, like, the the action of looking for those angles and as you recognize those angles or this what is one of the uh, translations i believe of this chapter is the opening uh it essentially will lead you to gratitude so just want to say thank you for sharing yeah. that alhamdulillah yeah so next homework assignment and i'm sure you've all been doing all the homework assignments so far you know does anybody even remember any of the other old homework assignments any of them memorizing the name the 99 mm, mashallah excellent anybody remember the other homework assignments Gratitude. Gratitude one. Another one was your, all your relationships and everything. So another is the my official gratitude exercise. Uh, is life fair? That was more of a reflection point. Yeah. Um, is uh, my standard gratitude ex uh, exercise. And then to do the gratitude exercise, uh, depending upon whom you are, but generally the assignment is list out three things each day from your life for which you should be grateful for. That's step one. And do this either in a document that you keep updating or in a notebook, whatever works for you. Step two is once you've made your list for each one, try from deep within, say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Again, what's Alhamdulillah? Praise and gratitude are due to Allah. Step three there is a dua that appears a couple times in the Quran, but in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46, Ayah 15, where you're praying to Allah to make you grateful. Here you're praying Allah to guide you towards gratitude. That you're asking Allah to make you grateful for what he has bestowed upon you and upon your parents, so forth and so on. Oh, very nice. And then uh, do that for each of the items in your list. And then do this assignment every day. If you miss a day, just don't repeat. Don't uh, make it up. Just continue wherever you left off. But you can't repeat. So because you can't repeat, in about three or four days, this assignment that takes literally about 45 seconds is going to start becoming very difficult. And that'll be an indication to you about how ungrateful you are, how hard the assignment becomes, and how quickly the assignment becomes hard will be an indication to you of how much ingratitude you have in your heart. Because the list of, of things to be grateful for in, that Allah has given us is infinitely long. It may be that this assignment is never hard for you, mashallah. For some of you, it's going to be difficult within one week. Good. And this one, I highly encourage, if you can do this somewhat on a consistent basis, Let's say even four days a week is consistent. Then about six to nine months, you're going to see major changes in in your outlook. Yeah. Any questions, thoughts, reflections? Mustafa. 
I uh, felt slightly argumentative with that statement about infinite long. Okay. And I was about to make the argument that our lives are finite, hence it can't be infinite long, but then there's the afterlife. So that's also oh, something yeah. that you can be gratitude, be yeah. grateful for. It's too expensive for me to drop the smartphone, but yeah. yeah. And your thoughts, reflections, but just because this is a finite world does not mean that Allah's Rahmas on us are finite. Yeah. Or maybe it's like infinity minus one. Then we can pretend it's finite. Yeah. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? Uh, Jewel says, so my uh, teachers asked us to pray Al-Fatiha for the author or someone that's died. Is this asking for guidance for them? That's a wonderful question. This is more just uh, the, the tradition and practice of dua. No. Method and moment. Yeah, that was that was part of the joke. Thanks, thanks, awesome. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Anyway, so <laughs> any other questions, thoughts, reflections about anything else? Yeah. All righty. Then, inshallah, no class tomorrow. Thursday, tomorrow, no class. We will reconvene, inshallah, on Friday. And then hopefully you'll all finally start getting some energy look at it look at how many of you are literally like this right now <laughs> all righty so can i see the whiteboard for a little bit just i need to take a screenshot you like, like muzaffar right look at the whiteboard in your face here hold on here, here tell me if you need me to go up or down yeah this one just just a little bit where do i go okay go ahead try take your thank you two things happen when i fast one is I become super frank, and then I become four years old. All right. So, Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah. And give you full barakah from all your fasting and your search for guidance and gratitude and everything. And we will see you, inshallah, Friday. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Some of you I'll see you in like four minutes. <laughs>